meant to be a Christian all alone. You need other people in your life. You need people to come around you and encourage you and pray for you and challenge you. And so you need other people in your life. So we connect people to people. And finally, we connect people to their calling because there's something only you can do. And so I want to talk today, and we'll be talking to moms for sure, but obviously it's for all of us because we all have a calling in our life that only we can fulfill. As special as a mom's calling is, we all have a calling to touch the lives of those around us. And so as you begin to prepare for uh, Mother's Day as a pastor, several weeks ago I began to look at the moms of the Bible, just study through them, and I went through all these different moms, but it was really last week when Steve Sampson was preaching, and what a powerful weekend it was as he preached on Elijah and, and calling and praying that the word of the Lord would come to pass. I just love that, that teaching that he gave, and I began to think of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. I was thinking about that story, and I want to share it with you today. God speaks to Elijah. He, he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to dry it up. There's going to be a drought across the land. And so this drought comes, and, and it's um, uh, just overwhelming. He's by this brook that gives him enough water to live, and the birds come, and they feed him, and so he's okay for a while. But then the brook dries up. You ever have the brook dry up in your life in the middle of a drought? I want to tell you this morning that God provides in the midst of a drought. God provides in the midst of a drought. That's what I want to talk about today. Because God says to Elijah, I want you to go. I want you to step out and do something different. Because I want you to think about what you need this morning. What do you need this morning? My heart is so full of compassion as I read the needs of our church. And that's why this sermon is, is something I really want to share with you today. What is your need this morning? Because God provides in the midst of a drought. I want you to think about, because Elijah's deepest need right at that moment, his need in his heart was food and water, the essentials to life. It had dried up. There was nothing left. And he would die without that water, and so he needed that water. But uh, I want you to think about what you need in your life. We don't need food and water. We had breakfast this morning. We're good. But we have deep needs in our life, essential needs in our life. Think about your life. What do you need? Do you need hope this morning? Is that brook drying up in your life and, and you just need some hope? Do you need some patience maybe? It's just overwhelming and, and you just can't seem to handle anything. Do you need patience? Do you need, do you need hope and, and do you need forgiveness maybe? Maybe you need forgiveness in your life. Maybe you need some time. You're just overwhelmed and I can't get everything done. I just need some time or some strength. How about some strength? Anybody use any strength? I'm telling you, yeah, we just, we're by that brook and it's drying up, or, or finances. And, and I want you to think about what you need in your life, the economy of your life. What is missing in your life? And as you can tell, I'm not just talking to moms today, I'm talking to all of us. And I want to tell you today in Philippians 4:19, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. God is going to supply your need today. So what are we going to learn from this story. If you take out your sermon notes, I want to begin to read, and I want to look at some things in the life of Elijah, and I just want us to put it deep down inside of us and, and see what do you need this morning, and how do you get to God's supply? In 1 Kings chapter 17 is where the story is, and the story we're going to read begins in verse 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. There's a widow there who will feed you. I have given her my instructions. I want you to go. You got to leave the place you're at. And sometimes to see God's provision in our life, the first thing we have to do is leave our comfort zone. 
got to lead our comfort zone. I mean, you think about what he had. He had the brook there. God was sending birds with food. How cool is that? And he's in this place. He's safe and secure, far away from his enemies and, and all this he has. But the biggest obstacle to God providing in your life sometimes is when we get comfortable. When we get comfortable, then God can't always supply in our life. We have to we have to allow God to come in because we get passive sometimes because the brook is drying up and we don't even know it. Sometimes it's been dry for a long time, but we're just kind of staying there because we're comfortable there. We know the enemies aren't there, and so we kind of stay in that same place. I counsel people all the time, and their life is completely messed up and, and problem after problem, but they don't want to change. They like where they're at. For some reason, they're okay with the pain. They're okay with the struggle. And, it, and, and it's not what God has for them, but they just don't want to move because it's so comfortable where they're at. And sometimes the biggest enemy to you walking into the full life God has for you is you just being comfortable, that you don't want to leave your comfort zone. And that comfort may be your ultimate enemy. And we have to leave our comfort zone and go into a new place in God. But that leads us to the second thing. Not only do we have to leave our comfort zone, we have to let go of fear. We have to let go of the fear in our life. I mean, he has to go 90 miles away from where he's staying by that brook to Zarephath. That's 90 miles closer to his enemies. That's 90 miles he has to walk with no food and water. 90 miles he has to walk, and he's a marked man, so he's kind of out in the open as he walks and travels. And he has to go. I mean, he's got to be a little bit scared, but you have to let go of the fear in your life. You've got to get the fear out of your life because the fear will control you. It will destroy you. The enemy disables us with that fear. It says in the Bible, do not be dismayed. It says, do not be afraid again and again and again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's a command of God. And then sometimes he adds, do not be dismayed. But what does the word dismayed mean? It's actually all the attributes that come when we're afraid. All the problems that come into our life, that paralysis that comes because I am so scared, I don't even want to move. But we've got to let go of that fear because if we don't let go of that fear, we'll never obey God because that fear keeps us from obeying God and doing what he tells us to do. We have got to let go of that fear because if we don't obey, God won't be able to provide in our life. And so we've got to let go of the fear. See, it's just such a vicious cycle. The enemy gets us into, into this thing. I'm, I'm so scared to do this. I'm so scared to do that. And then we can't obey God. And when we don't obey God, he doesn't come through. And we say, God, why aren't you coming through? We've got to let go of the fear in our life. God says over and over again in Scripture, do not be afraid. I'm on your side. We've got to remember that as moms, dads, husbands, wives, single people, students, work, wherever you are, don't be afraid. If God asks you to do something, you follow, you go. And a lot of times we look at what God calls us to do and we're like, I just can't do that. And you know what? You're right. You can't. You can't do it. It's just too big for you. The, the things that moms are called to do, it's just too big. But with God's help, you can do it. Because God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So when you're going through a hard time, when you're afraid, you need to remember these things. The first thing you need to remember is God knows where you are. God knows right where you are. He knows where you are this morning. He knows when you walked into church, when you sat down. He knows where you are right now. Think of the life of Jesus after the, the um, baptism. He goes out in the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan and, and says, turn the stones into bread. He's been fasting 40 days. Turn those stones into bread. And, and Jesus says, no. 
And the temptation there, a lot of people say, well, he doesn't want to use the miraculous powers for himself. And yes, that's partly true. But the reality is, is that the Father sent him, the Spirit sent him into the desert to be tempted. And the Father knows right where he is. He knows his food supply. He knows everything. And just a few verses later, the angels are going to come and minister to him and take care of him and feed him. So the Father's going to take care of him. And so the enemy's trying to say, hey, your Father doesn't care about you. You provide for yourself. You need to be afraid because, you know, you're going to die out here with no food in the wilderness. And Jesus says, no, the Father knows right where I am. He's going to take care of me. It's another story. Jesus is on a boat with all of his disciples and a big storm comes up and he's sleeping in the boat. And the disciples wake him up and say, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus says, I'm not, we're not going to die. He stands up. He, he puts his hand out. He says, peace be still. And then he rebukes them for their lack of faith. Because Jesus knew that the Father knew that they're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and that he's not going to die in a boat in Galilee. He's going to die on a cross in Calvary. And the Father knew right where he was. God knows right where you are this morning. You don't have to be afraid and say, God, don't you see what's happening? God knows right where you are. But it's not only where you are. He knows also where you are going. God knows the future. We don't. But he does. And that's all I need to know. I don't need to be afraid because God knows the future. And so if he says, trust me, obey me, I can obey God because he knows the future. So I just obey God. I just follow him. And I, I do it as quickly as possible to break that cycle of fear in my life. I keep going. And, and so God knows where you're at. He knows the future. And he has prepared a place for you. It's the third thing. He's prepared a place for you. And something shot out in the scriptures this week. I I'd read this story many times, but I, I got it this week in those first verses that, that we looked at here that God has already talked to the widow in verse 9. There's a widow there who will feed you. I've given her my instructions. I'd never seen that before. God had already spoken to the heart of the widow to provide for the prophet. Isn't that unbelievable? God was already setting it up that when you get there, you're going to meet her. And when you meet her, she's going to take care of you. God has prepared a place for you and me. Someone, something to, to take care of our need in our life. God has already taken care of that. He's prepared that place for you. So when God calls you to the future and to something new, He's already there working. When we walk with God in the future, He is already there and He is providing. And so we just follow Him. And I think of the ultimate place that He's preparing for us that it talks about in John. that He has gone away to prepare a place for you and for me. And so we can walk with Him all the days of this life with no fear knowing that someday we will see Him face to face and in the Father's house, He has prepared a room for you and for me. And I love that. We can walk in boldness because of that. The next thing we learn from this story is that we need to look for God's provision. We need to look for God's provision. He had to go and search out that widow. God's already spoken to the widow. He's already taken care of things for your future. He's already done what He wants to do. And, and so He's promised to you. And, and so we need to walk into that promise and look for God's provision. We need to keep our eyes open to where God is leading us and what he's having us to do. So we need to look for God's provision. Let's pick it back up in verse 10 where it says, So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a cup of water? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. This leads us to the next thing that we learn from the story and, and how God supplies our needs. We, we've got to lose our pride. 
We've got to lose our pride. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Here's Elijah, the man of God. But he's not just the man of God for that hour. Did you know that Elijah is seen as the greatest prophet in all of the Old Testament? Here's the man of God having to lose his pride to talk to the lowliest person of society, a widow, and say, can you get me a drink of water? Can you get me something to eat? I'm starving. He has to ask the lowest person in, in, in the social, social totem pole, if you will, to help him with the absolute essentials of life. And it is difficult to ask for help, isn't it? Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, it is just hard for us to ask for help because we are so full of pride. And, and we've got to let that go, guys. And some people say, well, I'm, I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. I, I don't take. I, I give. And I understand what they're saying. And it's good not to just be a taker. I understand that. But when you say, I'm just a giver, when you say, I don't need any help, listen to me this morning. When you say, I don't need any help, that is not a sign of strength. When you say, I don't need any help, you're not showing everybody how strong you are. You're showing everybody how proud you are. When you say, I don't need any help, you're showing God and everyone else how proud you are. I can do it myself. And to be quite honest, no, you can't. You can do your best. I have no doubt you're going to do your best. But you know what? To be the mother that you're called to be, or father, or husband, or wife, or teacher, or business person, or neighbor, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You need God's help in your life. You need to ask other people for help sometimes. Sometimes we have got to humble ourselves and ask for help because we will never be able to fulfill our calling on our own. And we've got to let go of our pride and say, I need other people in my life to encourage me and to help me. I need God in my life and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own because there is a blessing not only in giving, but in receiving sometimes. And we have to remember that sometimes as a mom, we need to receive. Sometimes as a dad, we need to receive. There's a blessing in both. And what's neat about this woman is she gives out of her need. Sometimes we're going to need something and God's going to tell us to give something. And what I love about this, she needs help herself, doesn't she? She doesn't have any trouble asking for it. But God provides when she gives, God gives back to her. It's just such a blessing in both giving and receiving. And so we've got to lose our pride. We've got to be on both ends of the equations, giving and receiving, and realizing that we need each other to accomplish our calling. Let's continue in the story in verse 12. It says, But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I do not have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and cook that, and he puts in quotation marks, last meal. But bake me a little loaf of bread first. Afterwards, there will still be enough food for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be plenty of flour left, or plenty of flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat from the supply of flour and oil for many days. 
For no matter how much they used, there was always enough left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. For over three years, God provided for this woman. Why? Because this is the last thing we learned. She lent, she lent what she had to God. She lent what she had. We have to lend what we have to God. The widow knew what she was supposed to do. God had already put it on her heart. She already knew. God said, I've told the woman to take care of you, this widow to take care of you. But she didn't know if she could do it. She didn't think she could. But here's the principle for today. Provision follows obedience. God's, what do you need today? Provision follows obedience. God will provide. When we obey, that's what faith is all about. Saying, God, I believe you're going to provide, so I'm going to give it to you. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I, I don't know what I, you know, God wants me to do this or that. I just don't think I have the ability. Uh, we were studying Gideon in a Bible study this week, and one of my favorite lines in all the Bible is Judges 6.14, when he's saying, mighty warrior, free the Israelites from the Midianites. And he's like, no, I can't. And the angel of the Lord says, go in the strength that you have. Sometimes we just got to put that one foot in front of another. We've got to just do the next thing God calls us to do, and God will provide. There's provision when we obey God, when we follow Him. And He'll give you what you need today. Patience, strength, hope, help. She could have said, I don't have what God is asking me to give. I don't have it. She could have said that, but she didn't. She said, okay, God, I'll give what I have. And what's interesting about her, she gave all that she had to the prophet, and she obeyed God's commands. And all of a sudden, God comes through. A lot of people tell me, I don't have time to do what God asked me to do. I don't have the ability to do what God asked me to do. I I don't have time to pray. And uh, I say this, you would have time to pray if that was the first thing you did. First thing when you got up in the morning. First thing you did before you turned on a computer, before you turned on the television, you'd have time to pray if it was the first thing. I don't have time to study the Word of God. You would if it was the first thing. There's no way I could tithe, Pastor Darrell. You could if it was the first thing you did. So we have to realize we have to obey God first. And provision follows obedience in our life. He comes through when we follow Him. I think of the feeding of the 5,000. It's in all the Gospels, but if you want to look it up, Matthew 14 is the first Gospel it's in. And the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. The disciples say, no, we got to send them away. It's dark, and they're hungry. You've been teaching and preaching and doing miracles too long. It's going to be night. Send them away. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. In the Gospel of John, Philip starts adding up how many days' wages it would take to feed everybody. And they come up, and all we have is two loaves and, and... Five, or five, five loaves, two fish, and that's all we have. That's all we got. And, 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 Jesus, and Jesus is telling them, or asking this, it says in the Gospel of John as well, to test them. To test them. What do you have? Bring me what you have. Okay, well, we have these five loaves and two fish. Okay, let me have them. And, and he takes them, and he blesses them, and he breaks them. And he gives it back to the disciples. And the disciples begin to feed this massive crowd. And you know what it says at the end of the story? Is that they were all full. We're talking 5,000 men, so probably 20, 25,000 people in this crowd with women and children. They were all full. Okay? Now think about it. When I think of full, I think of Thanksgiving afternoon. 
full. You know, I'm talking, whoo, boy, you know, I don't need to eat ever again. That's how full they are. God said, you give them something to eat. There's no way. Give me what you have, and I will bless it, and you'll be able to do whatever I tell Obedience. Provisions in the command of God. If God tells you to do something, you can do it. It's that simple. If God commands it, you can do it. So when he says, don't be afraid, you don't have to be afraid. Because God says it, and we have to obey, and we have to follow him. So what's the overall arching lesson, if you will, today? I just want to give this to you from my heart this morning. These things, God has a plan for provision in your life. What do you need this morning? Think about it. What do you need? God has a plan for provision. God called you. God, the creator of the universe, called you to do something for Him. And there is provision in the command of God. If He called you to be a mom, He will be there to help you be a mom. Or a dad, husband, wife, fill in the blank for your life. Whatever it is, God has called you. He has a plan for provision in your life. But the second thing I learned in this story is that God's plan may seem overwhelming. God, I don't think I can do that. It's just too big. It's bigger. God, do you know what the economy is like out there? God, do you know what my job is like? Do you know what my kids are like? Do you know what my, my, my spouse is like? My family? Do you understand, God? It's just too big. It may seem overwhelming to you. But what I read in Scripture over and over and over again, and I'll just give you a verse here, Romans 8.37, I read over and over again that we are more than conquerors. That you and I are destined for victory. God does not call us to defeat. He calls us to victory. And we have to remember that in our life, that when God calls us, He is calling us to victory. And it may seem overwhelming, but know that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And the last thing we learn here is that God's provision is always more than enough. It's always more than enough. He says, I want to give you life to the full. I want to give you abundant life. I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. And what I think about this story, 1 Kings 17, God says, you're never going to be hungry. Whenever you pour the oil out or the meal out to make your meal, you're not going to go hungry. It's always going to be there and it's always going to be provided for you. And, and, and so, you know, I, I was just thinking about that. There's always just a little bit in the bottom. You think when you get the word of the Lord like that, boy, it would just start filling up. And there's other stories where you gather all these jars and all these vessels and, and God just starts uh, anointing the oil and it makes it more and more and more. Her, her containers weren't overflowing. And a lot of times we get a word from the Lord or something or a promise and we just want, we want it all to be there and so full, but God says, no, I've given you just enough. I've given you more than enough. I, you've got enough for today and I'll give you enough for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'll give you the abundant life, but you just have to trust me. <coughs> it says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Not fund our retirement accounts and all these other, no, give us this day what we need. Give us today what we need. And what we have to realize, that's the God that we serve. And then when we obey Him, no matter how little is in our containers, there will always be enough. 
Because if he has to multiply it, he'll multiply it. Whatever he has to do. He, he fed these three people for over three years on what was the bottom of two containers. And you may be feeling like my life is that way. I am an empty. I'm at the bottom of the containers. But I want to tell you today that when we obey God, He will continue to multiply and multiply that day after day after day. He will sustain you. We need to connect with God. We need to obey Him and follow Him. Would you bow your heads with me today? And I want you to begin to think about the question I asked at the first part of this message. What do you need? What do you need this morning? What is lacking in your life? What's the shortage in your economy of life? Is it something essential? Is it patience, hope, strength, time, finances? We mentioned a number of different things at the beginning, but what do you need this morning? I want to let you know that God provides even in times of drought. And the New Testament tells us that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I'm going to ask my mom to come and lead us in a closing prayer this morning. But I want you just to think about what you need. And as she prays, allow God to supply the need as we promise to obey him and follow him. And we allow him to provide in our time of drought. Dear Lord, we ask right now that all the words we've heard spoken from my son's heart that came from you will take root in our hearts and that we will remember them day after day after day, that no matter what we need, you are the provider and that you see everything before we even know about it, that everything is in your hands. You even know the ones who may be here today that don't even know you in their heart. They think that they're all alone, but they're not. And I ask, Lord, that if there's someone here that does not know you, that they will ask you to enter their heart, and they will begin to trust you for everything that they need. Those of us that know you, Lord, have gone through times when, when you have provided for us. Lord, I ask that 